You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour, Matty Rose is going to select the song Patrick and I Have to Sing after being the champion of our sports select NFL contest. Better believe uh, it. The Snow Show um, with Matty Rose is straight ahead as well. And uh, still taking your text messages after Andy Reid celebrated his Super Bowl victory with a mushroom sausage pizza and a salad, quote, just to make his chubbiness feel good. We're asking you, how does Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win? 960, 960, name and location. But right now, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff for South Trail Chrysler, Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Uh, good morning, Frank. How are you? What is going on? All right. I have to ask you immediately. Your, I know your team lost in, mm-hmm. in the holding penalty that will be talked about forever and ever, especially eh. in Philadelphia. Not whining your, about that. Yeah. Your Super Bowl experience, how was it? It was pretty awesome. I got it. Like, I, I, I sat there in my seat for a while after the game. And like, I, I couldn't move. I didn't know what to think or do. First off, let me tell you that going to Super Bowl is actually an exhausting experience. Like, there's so much adrenaline in the building. Even as a fan, you, it's you're like actually mentally exhausted. Every play matters. Everything matters. And that second half was wild, obviously, for an Eagles fan like myself. They couldn't get a stop. Not going to sit here and complain or whine about the the holding call. Uh, the player, James Bradbury, admitted that it was, so no sense you know, crying about it. Right. But if you can't get off the field and can't get a stop in the second half, like you, you don't deserve it. So um, I, I just – it was so odd, the ending, because – you you expect it to be drama filled and to basically have the oxygen choked out of your team it's such a weird way to lose mhm um what what was your what was the prevailing thought you had in your mind while you were sitting there watching the super bowl mine would be like i can't believe these many people around the world this many people around the world are watching this game while i'm sitting here watching it live that's pretty much probably the number one thing i would be thinking about what, what the only thing I could, about? yeah, the only thing I could think was how insanely lucky I am to have tickets like that land in your lap, row seven, <laughs> almost at the forty-yard line. Like you, you have to pinch yourself. Yeah, um, it was. You know, I was just really thankful to to bring my dad. My brother was at the game. Um, it's one of those things. Like, it sounds cheesy to say, but when you think about it, the reason why the Super Bowl is so popular, obviously, the game is. Imp- you know, people enjoy it. But when you really think about Super Bowl parties, it's about family. Like you're surrounded by family and close friends. Mm-hmm. And, to, you know, to do that at a Super Bowl, it was I, it was bucket list. I'll never forget it. Probably never experience it again. And cool to do it. Um, did you sit near anybody remotely famous that you saw? Uh, no, we did not. I think we were hmm. surrounded by like players families and stuff um, oh okay that was the only sense i could get 
Well, that's not bad. Um, and uh, the one thing that really stuck in my head that you told us is uh, how many people are just still bitterly disappointed in the loss when that new bill comes in for their reworked mortgage that they oh. um, that they spent to get to the Super I, Bowl. I can't even tell you, like, just like the people I ran into, like all all walks of life, like uh, people I went to elementary school with, high school with, friends. Uh, I had cousins that were there. Like it was like uh, people literally dug deep in order to get there. Um, you know, just typical hardworking people that were like my life revolves around the Eagles. That's their release. Like, that's why I love, I can't think of a better place to be, you know, born and raised, like surrounded by really hardworking people that care deeply about sports. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Philadelphia is definitely uh, one of the top sports cities in North America. Unlike that soulless sports city in Atlanta where the flames originated uh, from just absolutely criminal sports city. Yeah, it's soulless in Atlanta. They don't care about anything, really, except for college football uh, in the ATL. Um, Frank, i got to ask you, um, we know in the NBA it takes a lot of flack for load management, and you go to pay to see like LeBron James play, and he sits out with a sore ankle after breaking a giant record, and you're mad that you spent all that money on an NBA ticket. This trade-related reasons thing now we're seeing pop up with two teams in Arizona and Columbus literally saying we're not playing these guys because of trade-related uh, reasons. Is that really good for the game? Because I feel like it's not. I don't think on its surface it is. The odd thing is, well, I'd say a few things to that. One, no one is ever paying to see Arizona or Columbus. Unless of course. You have to as part of your season ticket right. package. And two... The odd thing is the Arizona Coyotes have continued to win. I think they have a 5-3 and 2 record in their last 10 games, which is defies logic. Um but overall I, I think the reaction has been how how long is too long? Like it is 2 weeks or 2 and a half weeks um more than should be uh for a player to sit out for asset protection. And and there have been some conspiracy theories. Elliot Friedman touched on it in his 32 thoughts this morning that, and I've heard the same thing. Like it it was Jacob Chikorin actually banged up a little bit and they just said, okay, to prevent anything further from happening for a guy that has a significant injury history, we're going to take him out of the lineup. I don't think any of those same concerns have existed about Gavrikov. That guy's a horse, but nonetheless, I also think the other part of it has been that both Arizona and Columbus are trying to smoke out as many teams as possible saying, Hey, we're going to set a date and he's essentially up for auction and, and best offer wins. Whether that date is March 3rd or before that remains to be seen. As this draws on and I'm a team who might be interested in, in acquiring Jacob Chikrin. Is there a point where you say, maybe I would like him to skate in a game because, like, at this point, it's gone on for we're getting to the, the better part of a week right now. I I don't think so. Like, I, I would say typically yes. But he's shown you enough this season yeah. with the games that he's played to probably, you know, he's held up his end of the bargain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the big thing. What What is this guy going to look like when he comes back from two really significant offseason surgeries? Comes back on November 21st. He's got 36 point or 30 six games played 28 points and that's a 64 point pace over 82 games. Like his, his point production has been there. His mobility has been there. 
Um, I don't, you know, these are, especially someone like Chikrin, who's in insane shape. Um, I, I don't think there's too much of a concern there as to what you might be getting. Do you still think this is just the Kings and everybody else? Or do you think that as this has gone on, there's other teams that have maybe snuck back in? No, I, I think there have been other teams that re have remained in close communication. I think the truth is no one has been willing to pay the price that Arizona has set and circled for the better part of actually more than a year. I, I was looking back on last year's trade deadline show on daily Faceoff on our YouTube page yesterday. And I forgot that chicken was in the top 10 of our trade targets board last <laughs> year as well. It's insane how long this thing has dragged on. It can't continue much longer. I don't think they can hang on to him past the deadline and say, we're going to punt this to the summer. Um, and, and I think with the Kings, the interest has been there. What can Arizona do to entice more teams to enter the fray? And that's what I've reported on in the last week has been the Coyotes have shown a willingness to retain salary on Chikrin. They were teams are already excited about him at 4.6. If you can knock him down to three or 2.3, whatever the number is that uh, teams can find a proper balance that might juice the return to the point where Arizona can say, well, we're actually getting what we set out to get now. There's so much talk about Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane being kind of those elite offensive guys as far as forwards go ahead of the deadline. But if there's teams that are maybe searching for that next tier that don't want to move out their top prospect or a first round pick, who are you looking at as for some players that could maybe add some scoring um, that wouldn't cost uh, you know the, the premium first high-end prospect and roster player type of package? I, I think the player that every team is looking at right now as the secondary next check down option from uh, Timo Meyer is Ivan Barbashev from the Blues. He's really had a strong, you know, last year and struggled a bit this season. He's played a little bit better of late. Um, his minutes are certainly up as the Blues are attempting to showcase him. Um, you know, he had a three point night the other night against Florida on Valentine's Day. He's someone that I think teams are really intrigued by his not just high-end skill, but um, you know, can they draw that out of him again? And given that his cap hit is pretty low at $2.25 million, um, there's definitely been a lot of interest, but it almost seems like Meyer needs to move first before teams are ready and willing to pivot to Barbashev because – I think some of those same teams might be in the mix. And then you begin to get into the conversation of, well, who's after Barbashev? A lot of them, you know, on the rental side, a lot of teams would say it's James Van Riemsdyk. But on the term side, if, if that's something that you're interested in, uh, Brock Besser is another one as well. Frank Saravalli, NHL insider for Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail. Chrysler joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan. Uh, a lot of steam, a lot of smoke around maybe Patrick Kane going to Toronto. Is that a Toronto media thing, or do you think yes. that potentially could? Okay. I, I it, it is a Toronto media thing right now because, first off, we don't know what Patrick Kane's interest level is in a number of teams. And I also think, look, if Patrick Kane sends out the, the bat signal and says, I, I want to go to Toronto – and that's the place that he chooses, well, maybe you have to consider it. But just think back to Kyle Dubas and, and the 
points that he raised at his last media availability, not really all that interested in rentals, certainly not willing to pay a high price for one and is way more interested in players with term and is not, they're not willing to give up a top prospect like Matt Nyes. So when you add all those things together and then you look at Patrick Kane and the hip injury, uh, you, you probably think that the, the Leafs are still a little bit, um, you know, shy or, or gun shy from, the situation that unfolded with Nick Felino and his back injury that I, I just don't see it being a fit. And then you got to work in the cap hit and, and all that would have to go into that to then make the money work through a third party broker. It's just another additional mm. asset you need to pay for a rental that you didn't really want to begin with. Does the stylistic fit make sense? Yeah. I think you could make a case for it. Why not continue to, to load up? But I, I would say if, if the Edmonton Oilers appear on Patrick Kane's list, I would think that they would have a hard time saying no uh, to try and make something like that work. Is there a concern among GMs in the league about his hip? A hundred percent. You watch the last few games that he's played, particularly last night and the night before. And I was getting messages left and right. Like Patrick Kane does not look good. He looks slow. He looks like he's struggling and how much of that has to do with the hip, how much of that has to do with him being out of sorts with everything that's gone on with the trade speculation and sort of the gut punch that came with that, not, you know, the New York Rangers trade for Vladimir Tarasenko. I don't know, but certainly part of it looks physical. And I'll tell you another thing. I have a new trade targets board going up today on dailyfaceoff.com and Jonathan Taves is plummeting. He's, he's tumbled outside of the top 10. And that illness that he has, no one really knows any details, but that it's lingered this long. He hasn't played since before the All-Star break. His last game was January 28th. He's not on this trip, won't play in Ottawa. For a guy that sat out an entire season in 2020-21 with uh, symptoms related to long COVID, teams are wondering, like, what are we? What would we be getting for a guy whose game had already diminished in a real significant way? So I think a Taves trade at this point feels like a long shot, but we still have 15 days to go. Um, I, I heard something yesterday that I thought was, was really apropos for guys like Taves and Kane. It's like those guys are Lamborghinis, but they have, like, 500,000 kilometers or, like, 400,000 miles on them. And I thought that was a really apt description of both of those guys. I would say that those guys, the more apt description would be they're like Lamborghinis, but they have a Ford Focus engine in them. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's really the question is like, it's not so much the tread and, and, and where it's more so for me right now, how, um, you know, how much do they have left when it comes to Taves is the big question. And, and with, with Kane, you know, you could make the argument that they're they're dealing with a potentially a broken axle here that needs to be fixed. Hmm. Um, I did want to ask you about the Mikey Anderson contract that he signed, uh, an extension that was similar to the Matias Samuelson contract that we signed. Uh, we saw the Sabres sign uh, that young defenseman too earlier on in the season. Is this going to be a trend for uh, teams moving forward? Just do you, you like a defenseman, especially shutdown guy? Get him for a long-term, low dollar, and have at her. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense as a theme because you want to try and buy as many years as you can, the the best years of, of that player's career. And Anderson at his age, you'd certainly be doing that and gives him some long-term security, puts, you know, 30-some million bucks in his pocket and for the Kings, gives them real cost certainty. And what I found more interesting, though, than the contract was actually the timing of it because um, I had a general manager this week refer to the Kings as the NHL's right shot defenseman bullpen. And there's a reason why Sean Walker and, and Matt Roy are both on my trade targets board. And that's, they, they, they've got too many right shot guys. They got to figure it out. Not only do they have Sean Dersey, who's a talented guy playing on his offside on the left, but they also have Jordan Spence, who's waiting in the wings in AHL Ontario has been a point per game defenseman. He's ready to roll. So they need to better balance their team with right and left shot. And getting Anderson done and then potentially adding Chikrin really gives them an opportunity and a window to the point where their defense as a whole is improved. And then you can begin to pluck off a piece or two in Roy or Walker, neither one who is nudging them into contending direction, get something back for those guys and maybe recoup a little bit of what you would spend for someone like a Chikrin. Um, have to ask you, obviously, about the Calgary Flames, too. What's the latest on the Flames potentially adding a top six forward? I'd say they're in a holding pattern, and I, I think they're really trying to figure out where they're at, how good their team is, and, and what to do next. Because when you take a look at how these last couple weeks have been unfolding, it hasn't been pretty. There's no denying that. And, you know, there were some positive signs, of course, coming out of the break with that feisty game against the Rangers. And I think we're all juiced up and excited for Saturday night. But when you look at the loss to Detroit, you look at the loss to Ottawa, this team feels like they've shot themselves in the foot uh, more times than they could count this season. And I, I don't know, you know, what how aggressive they should be. And I think they don't know how aggressive they should be in terms of spending and, and, and loading up to try and push this team into the playoffs. You know, what kind of threat are they if they do get in? I think a lot of people are curious about that, thinking that this team is better suited to win in the playoffs. I actually had a conversation with Nazem Kadri at the all-star uh, media day, uh, which was on, I, I released a pod yesterday. It's a quick 12 or 13 minute interview with Kadri. If you get a chance to listen to it. Um, and, and one of the big things he said was, you know, I, I said, it's an open-ended question. The Calgary flames will make the playoffs if, and he said, we play as a team more. And I don't know what's missing, but something feels off with this group and they need to find an answer and a solution. I just don't know that it's one of those ones where they can trade their way out of it right here, right now. Is it as easy to say they just need better goaltending as a whole? Part like of if, it. Yeah, because if you just look at some of the effort the team is putting like forth, it's it's pretty damn good. And like, and I know shots is you, you can argue all day about the validity of the shot clock, but when you hold teams to like no shots in 16 minutes, like they did in Ottawa a couple nights ago, that means something. And being, um, and who talked about it yesterday? Who said uh, they're second in shots for and second in shots allowed, and the last uh, like four Stanley Cup champions all had that in common. Like when when you look at just stuff like that nailed down. Like, the, the Flames are doing it right. It's just they're not getting a save when they need a save. And I think partly to blame is 
the guy they're paying a lot of money to to make those saves in Jacob Markstrom. And, and it's easy to pit it on the goaltender, but you can't let goals in like he did in Ottawa on that overtime to Stutzla. That just can't go in in the NHL. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is how many times have we seen that? Like go back to what was that game in St. Louis last month when he just gave up that juicy pizza rebound. Yeah. Like you, you, can't, you can't do that. And so I'd have to really take a deep dive on the numbers to understand for certain um, the exact impact. My guess is the drop-off in Flames goaltending from Markstrom last year at 922 and Vezina runner-up to this year is probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 12 points to the Flames this year. And guess what? That would put you right at the top of the Pacific. So that's been a huge change. Obviously, there is something else. There's a little fragility, I think, to that when your goaltender doesn't play well that it, it ratchets up the pressure on everything else. But you're right in that the process, I think, has been there, and there have been, I feel like, more good periods than not for this team. But at the end, the results are all that matter. Um, Frank, I did have a goaltending trade-related question that's not really related to the Flames. On, honestly, it's probably got a little bit more of a tie to L.A., and, and that's just kind of how you see trading goalies and how things usually work out for teams. Because for me, I just feel like if you're a team that's trying to go for it and the one space that you need to acquire is goaltending, it, it rarely works out. Well, historically, it's rarely worked out to be a, a trade deadline fix, that's for sure. Um I think if you were interested in trading for a goalie, this is the year to do it because the market is pretty thin. There's not that many teams looking for a netminder. You know, there is uh, Seattle, maybe New Jersey looking for a number two. Um, you've got Vegas, who's probably looking to replace Logan Thompson. And then you mentioned the Kings, and obviously they like Phoenix Copley having just re-signed him. Uh I think they had a conversation about Karel Vimelka uh, as part of any sort of Jacob Chikrin type talk. He, Vimelka is 100% the premier goalie available at this market. But the thing is, the Coyotes are likely asking a premium for him. And yet, historically, goalies at the deadline don't really fetch a lot. And goalies in general in trades don't fetch a ton. I think the last guy to get a first was Kemper and the last one before that, it's been a long time. So, you know, there's not a ton of market. There's not a ton of, uh, of acquisition history to point to, to say, this guy's going to get you a massive return, even though he's under contract for the next two years at a super reasonable 2.75 that it kind of has the coyotes swimming upstream, even though they'd consider and likely would pull the trigger on something decent. Yeah, it's such an interesting dichotomy that the goaltending position is so important in the NHL, yet it's not really that valued around the league when it comes to draft picks or when to take a guy or the amount of compensation you have to give up to get one of those guys. It's just such a fast I – mean, it's not like the running back in football, but it's getting close where it's – not that it's devalued, but when it comes to the trade market, you can't give that much up to get a goaltender. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, real quick – um, Frank, uh, Detroit Red Wings in town tonight. What, what's, mm -hmm. what do you think the, what do you think the status is of Dylan Larkin here at the trade deadline? Do the Red Wings end up signing this guy long term? Is he getting dealt? What's the future of their captain? 
Yeah, I, I don't think he's getting dealt. I don't have any evidence to suggest that he should be on the trade targets board, and, and so he won't be. Um, I think everyone is betting that at the end of the day, whatever the situation is, he's going to buckle and sign with the wings. That we know Steve Eisenman plays hardball. We know that Larkin's number is likely north of Bo Horvat on the open market. Horvat got 8.5. Larkin has the higher offensive ceiling. He's probably in the 9.5 range, but he's never played a game in his life for a team that's not based in Michigan. And it stretches all the way back. Youth hockey, junior hockey with the National Development Program, University of Michigan, and now the Red Wings. He's a Detroit kid. Are you really going to walk for, easy for me to say, a couple million bucks either way? And, and go yeah. somewhere else and not see it through to the other side after some really lean years in Detroit? My answer is no, but I will say this is going to be a fascinating deadline for Detroit. Keep an eye on Jacob Verana, who might be back in the lineup. Uh, he was a healthy scratch on Wednesday night, but is back up with the Red Wings. He's on my trade targets board, and one of the new guys is Jake Wallman, a defenseman that is also day-to-day with an injury, but if they don't re-sign him, he's certainly someone that could be on the move. Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider Daily Faceoff for South Trail Chrysler. Frank, great stuff. We'll do it next week. Thanks for this. Have a good one, guys. Uh, there's Frank Cervalli brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit South Trail Chrysler. Maddie, what did you learn from the Frank Saravalli conversation? What did I learn? I yes. learned that uh, the goaltending market is probably uh, not one that's got a lot of intrigue around it. I learned mm-hmm. that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves probably aren't going to be dealt. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. Okay. Uh, I also learned that uh, do you really want to pay Dylan Larkin $9.5 million? Can you win with Dylan Larkin making that much money on your team? I don't know. Can you with the cap and what it is? Probably not. But yeah. if you get him for eight years and 9.5 and you – like, here's the thing. If you can keep Dylan Larkin at 9.5 and that doesn't mean that you have to say goodbye to guys like, you know, Zadina, Rasmussen, Raymond, um, uh, Cider, right. Edvinson when he finally arrives – you know, as long as you see a way where you can retain him without having to run into any trouble signing these young superstars, that next generation that you really do expect to be the winners. Because, listen, this generation of Red Wings that came after the Datsuk and Zetterberg years, very middling, um, to yep. say the least. But I think that this group of young rookies and prospects that, Steve Eisenman yeah. has does, acquired the next generation has a lot of potential. To does me. Larkin fall into that middling? Is he w- like the yeah, thing like, is like for me? You always like if you're gonna have the prospects, you have to have the guy yeah. who's who's been around and who knows how things are yeah. ran. And listen, like he's always been a competitive guy to me. Mm-hmm. He's been a guy that I like. Sure. And the thing is, these these costs for some of these elite centermen is just it's wild right now. Yeah, it is. It's, wild. it's like is he almost is he an almost ten million dollar player? You think? Like the thing is yeah, to me is that, that's why I asked the question. Yeah, it, like is he a seventy three points is his top out. The one thing that we always talk about is, you know, the with the cap being flat, is it's the middle guys that get squeezed. Mm-hmm. Is he a middle guy that should get squeezed? 
or is he one of those top guys if that he deserves get, to get paid? I, I don't think he, like, honestly, I don't think he deserves more than what Dylan Cousins got. And if he gets more, that like, we're looking at the Dylan Cousins deal, like, man, Buffalo's getting these guys at some real nice okay, deals. Okay, l- let me ask you this question. Is Dylan Larkin a real number one center, or is he a good number, is he a number two on a really good team? I think he's a good on a really good team. He's a two on a really good team. Okay. Yeah, similar to Bo Horvat, I think. Yeah. I agree. Him and Horvat, I would you put see them any, in the same conversation. Do you see any comparisons with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Larkin? Yep, mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. I think Larkin, you know, he's 26. It feels like he's way older than that because right. he's been in the league since If If Kadri's at, but... the, uh, at the top echelon of what you want in your number two center, and Dylan Larkin would be right there. Yeah, because listen, I think that if you've got a team who's a wagon like the Avalanche were last year mm-hmm. and you plug Dylan Larkin is that like... If Dylan Larkin was the two, second center on on the Avalanche, watch out! Oh, well, my goodness. Well, and the that, other thing that, too, like last year around the trade deadline, when we were talking about the Flames adding, mm-hmm. and Larkin's name kind of started to bubble up like two <laughs> days before the draft, and I was like, or before the deadline, and I was like, man, come on! Like if you can get that done, like that's that would have been amazing. But now he's gone out and had a point per game season and. He's got a positive plus minus for the first time in his career since he was a rookie. Um, he's a good player, man. Yeah. And, I don't know uh, if he's a $9.5 million player, but right. hey, if he goes to the open market, I don't think it's out of the question that he gets it. There's a lot of teams that I think feel like they're close and are only a second-line center away, but he probably and, gets closer to the Cadre deal. And obviously, uh, when he said if Jacob Markstrom's Jacob Markstrom from last year, the Flames probably have 8 to 12 points. Yeah, more uh, in the Pacific Division. It's... I think we'll send that clip out to socials today because that was very jarring to hear as well. If you're a Calgary Flames fan, well, it's not wrong. Like, no, and and here's the thing: if Connor Hellebuck is the goalie that he was last year, the Jets aren't in a playoff spot, right? Like year to yep. year, goalies are so wild and bizarre that you know it's it's wild. Like it's one of those things that I've been thinking about this lately. Like as much as perhaps. You go to Dan Vidar for a lot of the rest of the year, sure. If that's the way you want to go, fine. If that's the way that the play dictates, fine. But I still, like, there's no way that I'm looking at moving out Jacob Markstrom because goaltending, is it always feels like a little bit of a lotto year to year. Like, even Igor Shosturkin hasn't been as good as he was last season. He's still been dynamite. But there's a, a, a volatility there. Yeah. And when you can have just more options when you can have 25, mm-hmm. when you can have 80 and throw Dustin Wolf into the conversation for next year too, yeah. and have three options for guys that have, could have a good year, I just think that's the best way to go. Yeah, I, I again, the, the on-again, off-again year for goaltending, okay, yeah, Vasilevsky hasn't had the best regular seasons the last couple seasons, but when the lights came on in the playoffs, he was spectacular. Like, that. that's what I need out of my goaltender. Yeah, but like, how many goaltenders are like that in the, the NHL? Three? Yeah, well, that, but that's the thing, too, right? This isn't the time where it's like Hashik, Brodeur, Patrick Waugh. Like, there's just a lot of solid goaltenders that you, I don't what What's Jake Ottinger going to look like in the playoffs? I don't know. Is he going to be as terrific as he was against the Flames last season? Same thing with know. Sorokin, right? Yeah. Like, if there's, uh-huh. there's two guys that I look at and say regular season play, Playoffs, like two guys that I say I trust above anybody else since Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. Saros is in the conversation. Yeah. You know, that's it's it's a short list, though. 
yeah, very short list. All right, uh, we're super late here. We got to go. Um, we got lots to do here. We got to dis- we got to wrap up our big bets segment. Uh, we got to do the uh, the snow show with Maddie Rose. We're taking your text messages nine sixty nine sixty name and location. I think Texty McTexterson's going to jump on here, uh, and uh, how and we'll talk about uh, how does Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win nine sixty nine sixty after Andy Reid celebrated a Super Bowl win with a mushroom and sausage pizza, and he mixed in a salad. Uh, we'll do that next. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour. Brendan Parker, Flames TV host. Tee up the Flames and Wings tonight down at the Dome. The broadcast gets going at 7 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And at 8.30, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, Ross Tucker podcast, Westwood One. Uh, we have to ask him about the Super Bowl, um, what the offseason is going to look like. But more importantly, what's the easiest beer to chug? Talk to Ross about that. And uh, Big Show XL, more Big Show, Big Show Plus, Big Show Mucho with Patrick and Alex goes at 9 o'clock. They'll have uh, our man, our pal, Tommy Wilden Jr., um, Calvary FC manager at 9 o'clock. But uh, right now we, we have some business to attend to. We had a little contest this year on our Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. And uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, in in the at the beginning of the show, really uh, in the infancy of the show, we determined that um, the three of us, myself, Maddie Rose, and producer Patrick Dumont, would go head to head or three heads. I don't know how it works. Um, and the and the person who had the most correct selections throughout the year would pick a song for the other two to sing on the radio. Um, Matt, you, you won the, the pick segment with a spectacular 59, 44 and one record. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Patrick, you, uh, you fell apart like a cheap suit at the end. Super Bowl killed me. <laughs> uh, 48, 55 and one when you were doing well, you were for like the majority of the season, 500 going into yeah, the Super was, Bowl, was, weren't you? Well, I was, yeah, I was 500 heading into the Super Bowl, yep. but I was leading up until probably like week 12 and then it just completely yeah. fell out from there. Then yeah. you just... Yeah, you were like the Arizona Cardinals from last yeah, season. Very there you fair, go. Very nice. fair. You had a very good uh, start to the year. Middle of the year was good, and then you just just tanked. Yeah, my Kyler got hurt. <laughs> yeah, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury couldn't figure anything out, and I was just horrendous. Thirty six, sixty seven, and one. <laughs> tough year. A very tough year. One hundred and four picks we made. Hundred and four. Wow. Yeah. Good for yeah. us. So um, now it's the part of the show where. Our champion. Can we get a round of applause for Maddie Rose, please? Yes. Symphony clap. Yes. Oh, I like how I like that one because it starts a little slow. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Someone had to clap first, right? Someone Guys. always has to clap yeah. first. All right, I'll That's start. True. Someone has to clap uh, last, and someone has to clap first. Right. Congratulations um, to our champion, uh, Matt Rose. So uh, the bet was, and again, if there's one thing I do in this life, I pay my bets, and I don't disrespect uh, the ancient uh, game of gambling. 
So uh, it will kill you. Next Thursday, during this segment, um, Patrick and I have to sing a song together, a duet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what song are we singing? Um, I have chosen uh, a, a beautiful rendition by one Kyle Gass and Thomas J. Black. A little uh, tenacious D for my boys. I have no idea what this song is. This would be tribute. It's the greatest and best song in the world. Okay. I want you to memorize this song because this goes back to our um, our debate early on in the season when we were trying to name the line ah, yes. of Nazem Kadri, Andrew Mangiapane, and uh, Dylan Dube. And what did you call them, George, at the time? Uh, the DNA. Oh, I didn't. Our listeners call it the DNA line. Now, they're no and longer together. Into it. They're not together anymore. But nevertheless, <laughs> from that point, I said to myself... I'm going to pick a Tenacious D song, and I certainly have. I've picked Tribute. So you got to practice. Okay. All right. Are you going to take the Jack Black role? <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm gonna leave that up to you, because I know, Patrick, you're a lyrical gangster as it is. Okay, I can do the Jack Black. Yeah, I can do that. So What's you'll the do the Jack Black in... part? It's all Jack Black, really. Yeah, one of you has to be the devil. Wow. And one of you has to do the uh, the normal stuff. Well, I will be the devil because according to some of our listeners, because I was born out east, I'm the devil. So I will play that role. It's a lot less if you're doing if you're the devil. So okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna be supporting Patrick. By the way. <laughs> you had the worst record, but Howard, did you wind up as a supporter here? I really think that you should do the majority of the singing here, George. I really Again, I, think that you should be. I'm not afraid, Jack Black. And I think that Patty should be the devil. You're the champion. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay. And how long? About 30 seconds we'll sing of the song? No, no. 30 seconds? No. Well, what? I need We're at not least... going to sit there and sing for like three minutes. I want at least 90 seconds. Okay, fine. You'll get 90 seconds. There we go. And by the way, I just, used another, I just used another word, lyrical. There you go. Can I get a ding? <laughs> there you go. Thank you. That's two of the three. Those One are more. easy. One more. They're so easy. <laughs> What's the other oh, one? Oh, really? What's the other one? Uh, no, no, don't say No, I'm not saying it. I just got to see. Yeah, well, this next what, one. What was the first? This is lyrical? Lyrical, divest, and there's one more. Divest. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. All and, right. You know, right. my favorite part about the game, too, is, Patrick, that if you were listening in the 6 o'clock hour, we talked about how inside the lines I've done that many times where uh, my producer gives me three uh, when we had a producer, I actually produced the show now too. Uh, where he gives me, or the tech, or the technical director gives me three words, and I have to say them throughout the show. Okay. I have to mix them into the conversation. We've done that today. Patrick sent me a text message. Uh, two of the three words I've used already: lyrical and divest. And Maddie Rose had no idea. We just slided into the conversation. <laughs> I I'm fully on board with this. Yeah, it's, Anything it's that can also game. like distract us from a point that we're trying to make and send us on a tangent, like <laughs> sign exactly. me up. Sign me up. Yeah, I have uh, one uh, one word left to complete uh, the hat trick mm -hmm. of words. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I wonder yeah. where we're gonna go. You, you, you don't. You won't know. Um, and then I'll have to get the ding. <laughs> we have to. Effect. We have to get like a more extravagant sound effect for when you get all three in a show. Yeah. Like, it has to be, like, really drawn out, like a 15-second congratulations, George. Like, something okay. really over the top, I think, when you get all three. Okay. 
Uh, I like that. Um, I'm one away. Um, we've been taking the text messages too, so it's determined. Next Thursday, the Tenacious D song tribute, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Will be the song that Patrick and I have to sing live on the radio in this segment. And we'll be the Tenacious Three, and I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. And um, really quickly, too, no Brody on the beat this week. He's going to the Dome tonight. Say hey to him. So And say hi to, of course, um, our man Alex Brody, because the question he's going to ask tonight is, what's Tiger Woods' real full name? Alex, what's his real full name? Um, Come on. You've already forgotten it? Come on. It's uh, not Eldrick. T- there you go. Eldrick. Didn't Google Eldrick that. Eldrick what? Eldrick Taunt Woods. There you go. Yes. Okay. Do you got that? Eldrick Taunt Woods. Yeah. Won't mess this one up. Okay. Uh, Brody on the beat tonight, and then we'll hear that tomorrow. Um, we've been taking your text messages, too, here um, before we get to the snow show. Brought to you with Matt Rose. Brought to you by Ski West. Uh, we we talked about it earlier. Um, Andy Reid celebrated his Super Bowl 57 victory with a mushroom and sausage pizza and a salad, quote, just to make his chubbiness feel good when he mixed in the salad. We asked you, how does how should Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season? Win, 960, 960, name and location. We'll mix a few more of these later on in the show, and we'll also get intern John's crazy Calgary Flame stat. He's done a terrific job so far of this. But uh, our Sportsnet 960, the fan text-reading robot, Texty McTexterson, joins us with some uh, Daryl Sutter celebration texts. What do you got for us, Texty? Kate in High River. Daryl Sutter celebrates his regular season wins by sitting in front of his wood fireplace in a leather armchair with a stiff glass of 15-year Glenfiddich. <laughs> Reading the January 1978 Hockey Digest magazine. The good old days. The only thing I, the only thing that text was missing was petting a hairless cat. Oh, yeah. It. It, evil. Well, it's hard to drink from a snifter, read a magazine from the seventies, and pet a hairless cat all at the like, same time, what, George. It, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot to ask. To be honest, and I feel like on television he'd have like the Queen's Gambit on. I feel like that's <laughs> what he would have on. <laughs> There's like an Anya Taylor Joy yeah. picture. <laughs> yeah, um, Alex, can I get another ding? Thank he you. He hit all three. Oh, all three. Clown. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Was it Gambit? All in a yep. half hour. Less than a so half hour, dumb. he hit all three. <laughs> so stupid. See how I just slid it in there and you had no idea? I was the like, best. I was like, what a weird thing to put on the TV, I guess. But yeah. All right. And you had no idea. All right. All three oh, in the God. house. This is going to be so dumb. Lyrical divesting Gambit. All three in the house. <laughs> Not one of those had four syllables. Come on. Give them some harder words next time. Okay, I'll give them some hard words tomorrow. Give them some words or that the people don't know. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, like, okay. Alex, you're in charge right. of finding three or harder words tomorrow. <laughs> they have to be harder than that. No, Alex is busy with Brody on the beat. All right, we'll bring right. it We'll bring it back next. All right, uh, okay. let's mix in a couple more texts before we get to the snow show. Robin Airdrie. Big D celebrates wins by chewing on barbed wire, judging by the faces he makes. <laughs> That's being hard. Oh, yeah. yeah, chewing on some barbed wire. Yeah, That's hard. Like the barbed wire. Big dub. He just like opens up like a tin of skull, and yeah. he's just got a whole bunch of barbed wire <laughs> ends barbed in wire. it. Barbed <laughs> wire. Yeah. I like it extra rusty. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the prepackaged ones. I like to no. get my own. <laughs> Extra rusty. Like cutting them off my own fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more. Dustin, a Flames fan from Edmonton, 
the same way Mormons celebrate birthdays, which they don't. There you go. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I, Mormons that's, don't have any fun. Uh, oh, well, wow. Wow, okay. That. They don't do birthdays, but... They don't drink Coke. They don't drink coffee. <laughs> what do they do? No caffeine, right? No caffeine. Mm-hmm. Huh. Or saucer. Pro- can't smoke, can't drink. Not for me. Why? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll do more of these later on, and we'll also get Intern John's uh, crazy flame stat of the day. Uh, we haven't heard from Intern John yet, have we? No, we haven't. I don't know if we've heard his name. He's no, been working. His voice. No, he's been... Yeah, he's been, some for some reason, opting the board. Uh, John, <laughs> are you ready for another crazy flame stat? Did you do your homework? Uh, I don't think we're ready for it right now. <laughs> no, not now. I'm saying, oh, did he? I'm just asking okay, him. Okay. Oh my goodness! Listen, <laughs> listen, Alex. You're you're a lot today, George. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? You're a lot. <laughs> why am I a lot today? I'm just gonna leave it at that. No, why? No, you ha- no. You have to you have to elaborate now on that. I'm trying to I'm trying to give John a learning experience. Get him some time on the okay. board. Yeah. Okay. But again, again, Alex, we're you know, we're a morning show in a in a big market in Canada. And then you've decided to throw an intern on the board to work that morning show. How are you going to learn? Not on this show. <laughs> oh, God. Sure. Hey, why don't we get John to host tomorrow, too, while we're at it? I'll just sit by. Good job, John. Anyway. All right. John, you ready for a, a thing later on? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you hit it out of the park yesterday with your 4-3 stat, which blew our minds. It was a lot of numbers. It was. Now, we don't know if they're true or not, but it just blew <laughs> no, our minds. No, There's no way I was going to go fact check that. I had no golf chance. documentary to watch. So uh, we'll do intern John's uh, crazy flame stat to wrap up the show. Uh-huh. We're still taking your text messages at 960, 960, uh-huh. name and location. How should Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win? Brendan Parker from Flames TV, Ross Tucker, straight ahead. But first, the snow show with our man, Matty Rose. Oh, yeah, gents. It's the snow show, and it's brought to you by Ski West. With Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff, Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington Airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. How about this for the snowfall in the last 24 hours across Alberta? Not a lot. Uh, Castle Mountain hasn't reported any in the last 24 hours, but they've got all but one of their trails open and all but one of their lifts open, and you know Castle is going to be lit all weekend long. they got live music in the T-Bar Friday night. They're doing night skiing Saturday. Uh, just because the sun has gone down doesn't mean the fun has to, so make sure you check that out. They're doing a community potluck Saturday with it being the family day weekend, and of course, open mic night in the T-Bar pub, and they got their scavenger hunt, and they got musical bingo on Sunday with Super Bowl performers being the theme. Over at Lake Louise, they got a nice base depth of 33 to 38 inches. 122 of their 164 trails are open, and all 11 lifts also at Lake Louise. Uh, tomorrow, it's try before you buy free demo day tomorrow. So uh, go ahead and check out some new gear at Lake Louise. At Marmon Basin, it's also dem- demo days. Uh, this actually goes Saturday and Sunday. Well, Friday, it's at Lake Louise. You can also ski with Jasper the Bear 
Saturday from 1 to 3, get some photos with their lovely mascot. Uh, Marmot Basin's got a 39-inch powder base. All 91 trails are open in all seven of their lifts. And Mount Norquay, they've received about an inch of snow in the last 24 hours. They've got the 37 to 59-inch packed powder base. 90% of their 60 trails are open in all six lifts, and they got some cool events going on this weekend. Uh, the Beer League racing continues just this weekend and next. $20 drop-in fee. No racing experience needed. You just need to be willing to have a good time. That is going on Saturday night. And they're also doing Magic on the Mountain Saturday. Richard the Magician is going to be loose to explore, explore all Mount Norquay has to offer so you can check that out as well. At Nikiska, they've got 62 of 75 trails open, four of six lifts. At Sunshine, 113 of their 145 trails are open in all of their lifts. And uh, that's what we look, we're looking at around the province of Alberta as far as the snow for the weekend. The Snow Show right. is brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. Uh, great job, uh, Maddie Rose. Straight ahead, Brendan Parker, Ross Tucker, intern John's crazy flame stat, and more of your text messages at 969-60. How does Daryl or how should Daryl Sutter celebrate every regular season win? It's all straight ahead. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.